Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Anybody ever walked into a meeting you were in or classroom you were in, school or work, someplace else, and immediately just right out of the shoe said, I'm the boss, you're not, deal with it. Um, likely, if, that's a, if, if, if that occurred, you're, if you're like me, you get a little bristly. Even if they're the boss, you get a little bristly. You get a little, there's, there's just a little bit of defense mechanism starts kicking in. Thinking, whoa, 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 here, wait a minute. And uh, they may be the boss, and they may be exactly right, but it's all in how that's communicated, translated, comes out. The section we're going to look at, or actually the several passages we're going to look at in the book of John today as it relates to the one, um, the I am. And, and, and uh, in Luke chapter 9, <clears throat> John the Baptist, who's the precursor to the Lord Jesus, is jailed and sends a couple of his disciples, go ask him, go find out and ask him this question, are you the one or should we look for someone else? So they go and ask him, are you the one? Should we look for someone else? John has sent us. And Jesus' response in Luke 9 is, you go tell them the things you've seen. You've seen people healed. You've seen leprosy healed. You've seen the blind see again. You go tell them the things you've seen, and he'll know whether I'm the one. There's this, there's this idea of, and, and from that point on, Jesus starts to get bolder in what he says. He starts to get, um, I don't think intentionally confrontational, but with the Pharisees and Sadducees, it was confrontational. It was in their face, and they didn't like it. And, of course, the end of the story is, we saw this a couple of weeks ago, uh, them putting him to death, a false trial, false accusations, putting him to death, bringing him to the cross. But here he is starting to reveal more of who he is, more of the nature of his godness, godlike, and we're going to see that today kind of unfold in, in several passages here, that he drives home the fact that he's the one. He is the one we're looking for. He is the answer to our any need we have. Every solution to every problem we have is found in the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And he, he points that out, I think, clearly and sometimes confrontationally here in the passages we're going to look at today. The first one is John chapter 8. So if you'll turn there in your Bible, a couple of passages here in, in the 8th chapter of John and then over in 14 and 15 of John. John 8 verse 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I'm going to walk in, not walk in darkness, follow him. He says, there's a, there's a great solution. But will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Now, there, as, as with most things Jesus says, there's more here than meets the eye. He's not just saying, I illuminate spiritually the inside of your hearts. Because notice with me this. He was, in fact, we can go back to, to Genesis chapter 2, <clears throat> where the Godhead says, let us, capital, and it should be capitalized in your translation of the, of the, the Bible. If it's not, it should be, let us create man in our plural image. He was, and we see this also in Hebrews and in 1 John, where, where the Lord Jesus was the fashioner of creation. He brought design to the, to the forms that God spoke into existence. And he designs all that, brings color and life to all of that. Now, 
Because he was at creation and saw at the Father's behest and his, and his speech, light spoken into existence. There was darkness everywhere. Light, the Father speaks, and light comes in, into existence by way of the sun, the moon, the stars. And, and the Lord Jesus is likely the one who not, not only fashioned the galaxies, put the stars and the planets in the place and the rotation of the, of the earth and, and, and our galaxy. He did all that by design. God spoke that into existence, and the Lord Jesus not only witnessed that, but, brought, but fashioned it and brought it into, into, into reality. So because he was there and he coexisted with God and was co-authority with God in, 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 in the very beginning and in the end and all the way through here, we'll see in just a moment, he is and refers to himself as the source of light. I am the light of the world, he says. And that's just to say, I lit the world, and I am now present in the world, lighting your world to light you from the inside out. As, as I said, there's, there's more, always more here than meets the eye. First John puts it this way. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, or as literally as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So he's present here to light the world. He's present here physically in, 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 the, in this text to light the, 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 light, the lives of people. So how does he do that? He, he does that by, by lighting up those who follow him and enlightening, using them to enlighten the world around them, the, the, the sphere of influence that we each, each of us have. As we fellowship, he says here in this passage, with God and with each other. So let's look real quickly. What does light do? Primarily two things. Light navigates the way. It, it, it reveals the direction we need to go. Anybody ever stumped their toe in the dark, heading to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Sure you have. In fact, the older you get, the more you stump your toe because the more you head to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But if, if you've done that and you've hit it, you've hit, you've hit a, a, especially a pinky toe. I mean, you, you know how bad a pinky toe hurts hitting it on the cor- corner of a doorway or a piece of baseboard or something. Light makes a lot of difference in, in, in how we navigate, how we move through, through darkness. And it's that, that way metaphorically as well in life. If we're in a dark place and we can't see the direction to go, light brings the illumination to the dark place. It says, okay, here's the way. That's the way. Don't head that way. Head this way. And light has a way of navigating and illuminating and, and, and saying, here, come here, follow this way. We can see the things to avoid, the pitfalls to avoid, and the things in the direction we need to walk. It also does the second thing, and that's this. It reveals what is truth from a lie. It reveals by its very nature what is right from what is wrong. Light does that. It reveals what is dirty from what is clean. A lot of people want under-cabinet lights now in their kitchens. Uh, until they light the light, light up on their cabinet and say, but there's dust everywhere. Let's turn these lights back off or else I've got to clean every day to keep this clean. Light reveals where the dirt is. It reveals where the, where the bad things are. It also reveals what is good. It reveals the goodness. It reveals the rightness. It reveals the darkness. It reveals the wrongness in our world and not only in our world but in our way. It's designed to do that. It's what light does. So all this, he says, is, is realized in the very light of himself. He says, I am the source of that. I am the source of the, that helps you navigate your way. And I'm going to tell you, there's not a person in this room that's not been befuzzled sometimes to say, I don't know what the next move is. Whether it's related to marriage or job or a friendship or money or, or a bill or, or health, I don't know what the next move is. All of us have been at that road sometimes, one time or another. He says, I am the light to show you what the next move is. I reveal, I navigate the way for you. 
and I'll reveal the things to avoid along the way. That's exactly the, the purpose and the design of light. That's the purpose and his design intent in, 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 in a reproductive process in you and me. We are, in fact, the scripture, we're not going to refer to, to this passage in Luke, but we are the light of the world. We are the lights of life, he says. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Men don't light a lamp and cover it up. They, they, they pull the bushel off so that, or the cover off so that everybody can see light in the, in, the, in the entire house and know how to navigate the room. That's what we're designed to be. And he says, you see those things in me. The source of that is not your own smarts. It's not your education. It's not your experience. It's not how good you are, where you've been, all the things you've, you've, you've known. It is me. I am the source of light in you. I am the one who helps you see the way to go. And I'm also the one who helps you navigate the way to go for your friends, for your kids, for your peers. I am the source of those, those ways of truth. If you'll seek me, you'll see those things. If you try and navigate your own way, you never will. He is the source of light. Now, where does logic play into all of that? Exactly where logic should play into all of that, a second and third tier seat. <laughs> logic, there's nothing wrong with logic. There's no, nothing wrong with figuring things out until it conflicts with the direction that God navigates us to go. If the light says, here's, where I want you, here's the direction I want you to go, here's the move I want you to make, here's the decision I want you to make, Logic, whether that's logical or not, that's the direction we need to go. Is logic altogether wrong? No, it not, it's not altogether wrong until it intersects with the will of God. When it intersects with the will of God, it becomes wrong. And oftentimes the enemy will use logic to say, wait, 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 wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Have you thought this through? And oftentimes it doesn't make sense. What God says, what he reveals to us, the direction he wants us to go, the decision that he's placed on our heart or by way of his word or by way of his spirit doesn't make initial sense. But the more we step in it, and the more we walk in it, the more we see, and the more he reveals, and the, and the more enlightened we become as a result of following his, his way and being obedient to his leadership. That's how he works. He never shines a thousand watt light on where he wants us to go. He gives us a candle, and the candle gets brighter the next step of faith we take, and the light gets brighter the next step of faith we take. And the, and the more we walk with him and follow his way and his will, the more we see, and the more clear his direction becomes. People will start to seek our counsel on things because we start to make wise decisions. Why? Because we're walking in God's way. As we see ourselves in obedience to that, that that becomes a contagious faith, whether we like it or not, or whether we intended for it to or not. People say, "Well, how did you know? How, how did how did you see that direction?" Well, I got my stuck my nose in this book and started to listen to God's spirit and pray and say, "God, I need your help. I need you to light my way." And He did that. And He'll do that every time for us. He is the light, the one who says, I am the light. Secondly, the one not only says, I am the light, the one says, I am eternal. Turn over a page, if you need to, to verse 54 of John chapter 8, and let's see what he says here. Jesus replied, I will glorify myself. My glory means nothing. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Verily I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, watch this, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Before Abraham was born, I am. I was there. I was there at creation. I've been there every step of the way. I, I helped navigate life for Abraham. I helped Abraham see the things he needed to see from God the Father. I was. I am ahead of Abraham. Now, we looked at this last week. God the Father 
being timeless and consequently as timeless ever relevant. The Lord Jesus himself says, I am God-like, and because he is timeless and ever-relevant, and because I'm walking with him and following his way and following his word, I am also timeless, and I am also ever-relevant. I I can step into and meet any and every need that you have. Why? Because I've already seen the need before you ever existed, before you ever born. I saw every breath you'd take, every hair on your head, I saw every decision you'd make. I'm ahead of you. I've always been ahead of you. And so if he is timeless, and he is, he says, as Messiah, I'm current. I am ever relevant. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the one that the prophets prophesied about. I'm, I'm standing before you in the flesh as God's son, as the promised one. And as such, I'm ever relevant. I'm relevant to your generation. I've been relevant to every generation behind me and every generation ahead of me. Where we physically find, <clears throat> find ourselves today, that's true in our day as well. He is ever relevant in our day, has been relevant behind us, and is, will, be, will be relevant ahead of us. Now, um, I'm going to tell you, and you, you don't have to look very far to see this, he's, going, he's getting harder to see in, a, in the culture around us. And that's only going to get worse as time goes on. You know why? Because our world is getting darker and darker and darker and darker. That's why your kids and my kids and their kids and their kids need to be lights in a dark place. They're going to stick out. If it, if it was ever important to sow in the values of, of a life followed after and, and, and grabbing hold with a white knuckle grip after Jesus and a life lived on purpose and intentional in our culture. It is now it's now. And it's in the, it's certainly in the generation behind us because the generation behind us is a little darker. You know why I know that? Because my generation is a little bit darker than my parents were. And, And my daughter's generation is a little bit darker than mine is. And I see where this is going. I see how the enemy's working to, to, to shroud the light of the light of life, the light of the world with, confusion and with relativism and with whatever you think is okay is okay he's shrouding the light with darkness and he doesn't do it in t- he doesn't do it as i said he the enemy always works incrementally he always works around us incrementally it's a step at a time a, a supreme court decision at a time a dinner table conversation at a time it's 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 incremental it's always incremental it's always how he's worked and it gets a little darker and a little darker and a little darker and it's you you've seen that as well you go into a, a dark room out of a light room, you can't see squat. But you stay in there 10 minutes, you can see how to get around. You know why? Because your light adjusts to darkness. And we do too. And our kids will too. We adjust to the darkness and think the darkness is now normal. <laughs> the darkness was never intended to be normal. Light is normal. And so if there was ever a need for your generation and the generation behind you and the generation behind it to know how to light it up, it's now. <clears throat> because he says, we're in a dark place. And a dark place needs light. That's exactly how uh, this design works. He says, I'm eternal, and I will eternally light your world and light your life. I've done that forever. I will do that for you, and I will do that in the generations behind you. I am ever relevant. I'm timeless. Um, it is, and maybe, or maybe it's not for you, maybe it's just me, but it's hard for the finite to grasp the infinite. Is that difficult for you? It's difficult for me. I, I, I can think within time and space, and I can think, decently in, in, in eternity to come. I, can, I, can, I, can't, I can't get my mind around the time of that, but I can get my mind around the, 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 the atmosphere of that, if, 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 if you will, because of what the Word describes. But the timelessness before time, the eternity before time, I can't get my mind around the fact that before anything was, God is. Now you explain that to me. If you can get that, I'd like to hear your explanation. Before anything was, God is. And he says, I've always been, 
I will always be. I am ever relevant. I am timeless. My father was ever, ever relevant and timeless. I am the same. We are one and the same. So why is that significant? It is significant because around the next corner of your life, regardless of what that holds, whether it's uncertain health, uncertain relationships, an uncertain job situation, around the next corner of your life, he already stand there. He's standing there. And 10 years down the road, he's already standing there. He sees further than you can. Why? Because he's timeless and is waiting on you to see the things he wants you to see as a part of that journey he's navigated as he reveals by his light the fact that I'm always trustworthy. I'm always trustworthy in any situation. You can trust me. Why? Because I've been ahead of you from your womb. I knew the hairs on your head. I'm around the corner ahead of you. I will always be around the corner ahead of you. I see further than you can see. I know more than you know. Trust me because of that. Why? Because I'm eternal and I'm timeless. And as such, I'm ever relevant. I'm the light. I'm eternal. Thirdly, turn to chapter 15 of John. Thirdly, he says here, I am, in John 15, the vine. Look with me in verse verse 1 and following. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I am the vine. He says, the Father is the gardener. You're the branches. I am the vine. Let's look at these three roles. Now, the father's role is to decide where the nutrients go. He says the father is the gardener. The father, he, he decides what needs to be fertilized, what needs to be watered, where the nutrients go. And he's deciding what, what, what needs and gives the most life. The father makes those decisions. Why? Because he's, om, he's omnipotent and he's sovereign and he knows all and sees all. And so ahead of us, we see the, we see the Lord God, our Father, work in the dirt and work in the soul to make it fertile for us to grow. You ever wondered why your mind becomes curious, why, why you're interested in things that you're interested in? It's the, it's the spirit the work of God the Father to do that, to fertilize your mind, to make you hungry for spiritual things. He's the one who, who noodles around the, the root system of our life and, and makes the dirt softer to where the roots can find a deeper place. By a life experience, by the truth of his word, by someone else's story, by a mentor, by, by someone else. By, by our own experience. So as he does that, he's the one who's, who's bringing the nutrients, bringing the oxygen to the soul, bringing the water to the soul, the one who's, who's making things grow in, in and of himself. He's the one who brings the light, who, who brings the chlorophyll and, and makes everything. He's the one, he's the source of all of that, the source of every nutrient we have and we need. He, the God the Father is the source of all that. The son's role then is to channel. He's the source. He's, he, he describes himself as the true vine. He says, I'm the, I'm the channel by which your life flows. Now, God the Father is the one who is the source of all life. He brings the nutrients, the sun, the water, the rain, the, the fertilizer. I'm the one that channels the life in the direction that it needs to go. I'm the vine, and I decide as the vine where the branches go. Do you ever wonder why you were 
most of you, I guess, here, uh, were native East Tennesseans while you were born here? If you weren't born here, did you ever wonder why you moved here, why you live here? God had a lot to do with that. In fact, he had everything and then some to do with the fact that you were born, where you were born, when you were born, in this time and space for this reason. He designed every bit of that. None of that's by accident. Um, And you and I were born in a blessed generation. We're also born in a cursed generation, according to the scripture. And so as we find ourselves here in the middle of all this, we think God's placed us here. He's planted us here to do what? To bear fruit in the middle of where we are and what we are. He's put us in situations and circumstances in life to say, this situation, this circumstance, your sphere needs you. Your sphere needs light spread upon it. Your, your sphere needs to, the, the dirt needs to be prodded and poked and loosened up to where the roots can grow. The, your sphere of influence needs those things, and that's exactly why I placed you exactly where you are. In, in, the, in the influence you have in, in your uh, immediate family, your extended family, folks you work with, your acquaintances, I've placed you where you are by design. And the design is so that you can bear fruit in those places. As, as you're pruned, and I don't like the pruning, you don't either, but he says that's the, that's the work of the, of the gardener, do the pruning, God the Father does the pruning, and he prunes us from time to time and says, oh, let's, let's back up right here, let's re- restart on this, on this particular branch, and he, and he does that from time to time with us, and I don't like the pruning any more than you do, but it's, it's necessary, you, you, you pruned your kids, didn't you? I mean, you bring the hand of correction and, and pruning when it needs to be corrected, that's what God the Father does, he corrects our missteps, and we're, whoa, let's not go there again. Let's head down this path. This is, here's where the light's at. You're walking in the darkness over here. Let's head back over. And he, and he redirects us by way of pruning. A branch does that as well. You prune a branch, it's going to find another shoot, to come, another place to come. A tree does that. A shrub does that. You prune one branch off, another shoot's going to find its way close to that. And so that's how God works. He prunes us back to say, here's the direction I want you to go. And then the sun says, okay, here's where we're going. He's the source, the channel, the vine says, here's where we're going. And the branches, you and I, our role is to bear the fruit. It's so that the revelation of all the work that the Father and the Son has done can now be seen. Here's what God looks like in me. Here's the fruit of God in me. I am. My life is. My testimony is. My story is the fruit of God. It is the fruit of what he's done in me. A couple of weeks ago, uh, and uh, I guess maybe it was Easter Sunday, we were talking about what, what, the, what a living Savior says to the cynic. And talking about the miracles of God and what he's done, I asked, how many miracles have, have, have you seen in your life or in your Immediate family, extended family, in good grief. Almost every hand in the room went up. You know what that's a story of? That's a story of fruit after fruit after fruit after fruit after fruit. And God starts to pick it. And he said, yeah, I'm going to use that story over here with them and that story over here with them. And he used that very, that very instance a couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago on Easter Sunday to minister to you by each other. Did you notice that? Because as I saw as your hand was raised, you said, oh, God's done this a lot. It's not just in me. He's up to this. This is something he's about. This is who he is, and it is. He's about our bearing fruit. He's about our, our being noticed to bring him glory. Why? Because the gardener says the, fr- the glory is in the fruit, and the fruit brings glory back to the gardener. That's his design for us. I'm the vine, you're the branches. So here's, these, here's all three of these roles, and, and the danger in all of that is, is our own self-sufficiency. When we start to see ourselves, and we're, we, we, I had a conversation with with. Had, I meet Hannah for lunch about every week. And so I had a conversation with her a couple of weeks ago about dependence versus independence, how you raise kids to, to be independent and you want them to be decision makers and you want them to see the, the wisdom in things and you want them to be independent thinkers and think for themselves. Yet at the same, to- by the same token, 
If you're trying to raise a godly child, you want them totally dependent on God. So how do they walk that balance? How do they walk that balance between independence and being an independent thinker, thinking for themselves, and yet not seeing themselves as the end all? Not seeing themselves as totally self-sufficient, seeing themselves as not only needing God, but desperate for God. I can't make it without him. So how do we walk that balance of independence and dependence? It's tough. It's hard. And yet every generation behind us needs more independence, needs more backbone, and more dependence on God at the same time. Say, I can't do this. I want to live an independent, fruit-bearing, life-worthy witness for you, but I can't do this without you. I can try my best, and my best smarts, and my best education, my best relationships will take me only this far. But you've got to do the rest. I can, I can lay the fruit out there, but you've got to use the story of the fruit to bring glory to yourself. I can't do that. That's all God stuff. And that's exactly how he works. Yet, our independence is the very thing that causes us to be the gardener sometimes. And causes us to want to be the vine sometimes. To, to figure out where the light goes, where the nourishment comes from, and to figure out, oh, here's the path we need to go. No, it's the vine's decision to, to see where the branches go, not the branch. The branch just spares the fruit. And yet, we want, to be the, we want to make all those decisions on our own, don't we? I do. Maybe you don't, but I do. So, he says, if we're to remain... Verse 4, if we're to remain, and he uses this word over and over, if you remain in me and I in you, you remain in the vine, you'll get everything you need to get. You, you are connected. You're dependent. He says, if you remain in me, every source of everything you need will, will be at your disposal. When you start to separate yourself from the vine, and the more independent you come from the, from the vine with your own story and your own solutions and your own ideas, the more you're on your own and the more failure you experience. He said, if you remain in me, you have every nutrient you need. Every source you'll need, every source of strength you'll need, every bit of energy you'll need. Independence is fine for a menu in a restaurant. And Leanne and I go eat, you, you go eat with your family. We seldom get the same thing. In fact, you can probably number on one hand the times in our 35 years of marriage almost <clears throat> that we've ordered the same thing in a restaurant. Seldom does that occur. In fact, she orders the same thing most of the time. And the older I get, I'll order the same thing too, but <laughs> most of the time. But I'm a brancher outer. I mean, I want to try something new that I've not tried before. And there's nothing wrong with that in a restaurant, but in a walk with God, independence can be dangerous. It can really be dangerous. It can lead us down a path where the fruit starts to look like me instead of looking like God. And the fruit starts to resemble my ideas and my experience and my motives instead of his. And that can be dangerous. You know why? Because your friends and your acquaintances and your family's way of making decisions may depend on your very experience, your very motives, your very ideas, and their failure, their sin, you become accountable for. It's dangerous stuff to become independent. The the, the Old Testament speaks to the fact that multitude of generations paid for the father's sin. Generation after generation paid for the sin of the father. Why? Because the father inserted himself in the place of God. Maybe not intentionally, but did so. And as we do that, as we insert our independence where God, where it should be dependence on him, we start to see, wait a minute, this is rolling in a direction I'm not, I'm not comfortable with because I'm now accountable not only to him and to me, but for them as well. The people that are in my world, maybe my kids, people that my life influence, I'm now accountable for them. So what's the solution? I've got to remain in the vine. I've got to stay connected. And if I'm disconnected, I've got to be grafted back in. I've got to remain in the vine to understand where he wants me to go, how he wants me to get there, and how my story, my fruit, can influence the life of someone else. And it can, and it does. Independence is okay in a restaurant, not for a Christ follower. 
It's dangerous for a Christ follower. Fourthly, you know, he, the one says, I am the light, I am, I am eternal, I am the vine. Here's the best part. <clears throat> Turn to chapter 14. He says, I am the way. The one says, I am the way. Um, look at verse 5 of chapter 14 of John with me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father that that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. He's saying, if you really know me, Peter, or Philip, rather, if you really know me, you'll know the Father. You'll see the Father as you look at me. He says, not only says, I am like the Father, he says, I and the Father are one. When you look at me, you see him. And when you look at him, you should see me. When you're looking for him, you should see me. We are one. We are one and the same. We have different roles, but we are one and the same in the Godhead. It's part of the Trinity. I am the, he's saying here, if you really know me, you'll know my Father. Now, I am the, he's, he's saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Here's what he's really saying. I am the way to God. I am the truth from God. And I am the life in God. I am the way to God in relationship. I am the truth from God to your life and to the world, to the lost. And I am the, uh, I am the life in God. He is the life giver. He is the source of the sun, the water, the nutrients that our, that our vine needs. He's the life giver. And he says, I am the source of all of that. He said, I am the vehicle. In, the, in being the way, the truth, and the life, I am the vehicle to understanding him, to knowing him, to walking with him, to living with him. You want him? You come to me. You want to see him? You come to me. You want to understand him? You come to me. You want to get him? You get me. He, he's saying, I'm that pathway. Now, <clears throat> he's saying we're, we're the same entity, in essence, he's to say, I'm God. And if God had skin on, here's what he looks like. He looks like me. Now, in the glorious description we find in Revelation of God, and, and, and both as, 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 as uh, Moses was hid in the cleft of the rock because of the glory of God, the, the hindquarters of God was passing by, and he couldn't even look at the hindquarters of God because the glory was so bright. As we see those descriptions of God, that doesn't look like anything like Jesus, does it? But yeah, Jesus says, if you want to see him with skin on, in the, in the flesh, he looks like me. Now, outside of the flesh, in, the, in his glorified state, you can't even look on him. But in the flesh, Jesus says, he looks like me. You look to me to look to see what God looks like in the flesh because I am he. I'm the one. I'm that entity. We're, we're one and the same. You see, <clears throat> this is pivotal, doctrinal, foundational truth for every Christ follower. Every follower of Christ needs to get this, and that's this. Either Jesus is God or he's nothing. He's either God, all God, or he's nothing. He, and, and most of our world thinks, thinks the latter. He's nothing. He's, most of our world thinks he, he was a good man. I mean, in fact, you can talk to a lot of pagans who will not argue the fact that Jesus existed and walked the earth, did some good things, was a good man, but he wasn't God. In fact, we are. No one's God but ourselves is 
the way humanism and the direction of our planet's going. But he says, I am God. I and the Father are one. You look for him, you look for me. You see him, you see me. I am him with skin on. I'm exactly what he looks like. And, folks, that is pivotal. In fact, if you get nothing from your faith aside from what the blood of Christ at the cross, this is pivotal foundational doctrinal truth. Jesus is God. He's holy. He's spotless. He's blameless. He is all of God and all of man at the same time. We, I know that's hard for a human mind to grasp, but that's exactly what he's saying here, this foundational belief. And here's the reality. If he isn't God, we're toast. We're lost. Every person in this room that claims to know him and claims to have a relationship with God the Father through the shed blood of Christ is lost and in need of another Savior if he's not God. If he's not enough, he's not the one, we need to look for another. And he is. He says, I am God. If he is, and he is, if he is God, he is the world's only hope. He is your friends and your family and your co-workers. He's their only hope. Um, listen to Colossians chapter 1. These words, he says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What's the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing him, and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ has so powerfully works in me. So, what is that mystery? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of the world. He's saying, I am God. I am all of God you'll ever see and receive and need. I am in you, and I need to come out. The glory of God in you needs to be seen in the fruit that we bear as a part of the vine, as a, as a branch. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't evolve or morph into some relationship with God. We came to him by faith, by grace, through faith by way of the cross. It, we, don't, we don't absorb Christianity. That's why uh, several times in the context of a, usually a, a series of messages, I will say, do you know him? And I'm, I mean, you know what I mean by do you know him? I mean, do you know him? <laughs> Do you have a relationship with him? Has there been a point at which you've prayed and asked him to come into your heart and given your life and your future, your eternity, your mind, your will, your ways, your money, your family, your, your kids, given all that over to him? Is that, is that the God you know? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him? If you don't know him, he says, I'm the way. I'm the way to know God. I'm the pathway to him. I'm, 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 if you want to know God, know me. We come to him by way of faith. And he shed blood for us on the cross. Not, we don't absorb relationship with God. Nothing wrong with absorbing truth. Great to absorb. We don't absorb relationship. We begin and initiate relationship on our own. And he follows through with it <clears throat> eternally. So, <clears throat> John 21, 25 says this. <clears throat> Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the world, a whole world, would not have room for the books that should be written. You know what John's saying? I wish I could describe him to you. He's saying, I wish I could tell you the story. I wish I could, I wish I could help you see the things that I've seen. I wish I could <clears throat> help you know the things that I now know. The, the, the world is not big enough to contain the stories of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God, <clears throat> even the works of Christ. I wish I could tell him, wish I could describe him to you. Wish, wish you knew him that way. And Luke 7 say, are you the one? Are you the one? You know what they returned to John saying? He's the one. He's the one. 
And what this world, <clears throat> yours and mine, needs to hear and needs to see in the fruit of your life, in the fruit from the branches, he's the one. That's what they need to see. He's the one. Do you know him? Do you know that? Beyond a shadow of a doubt. It needs to be seen in the fruit of our lives. I want to challenge you today to commit to that way. Commit to that, that one. Uh, know him better. Walk with him more intimate. Give more to him. Love him. Uh, he's the one. He's the one. Boy, it starts to get good next week. Now we start to see next week who we are because of who he is.